Data breaches are not uncommon today. It seems like hardly a week goes by where the news isn't talking about the latest company that's had its information stolen. The internet has transformed the world in many ways, but possibly one of the most significant transformations has been in the area of retail. No longer does someone need to go to a store in order to purchase an item. You can just search for it online. There's no settling for a different brand because the one you wanted wasn't in stock or isn't carried at that store. There's no wandering up and down the aisles trying to find out which aisle has the obscure item that you're looking for. However, one breach last year caught my attention. Not because it affected a major well-known corporation, but because it affected thousands of small websites. The popular e-commerce platform Volusion had its systems compromised, and attackers installed software that stole data from over 6,500 different online stores. When you combine attacks like the Volusion compromise with data theft that has occurred from major retailers like Macy's and Home Depot, it probably feels like online shopping is more like the wild, wild west. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can't control when a website you use will be compromised, but you can make decisions that limit what information will be available to hackers. So with that in mind, on today's show, we're going to discuss the topic, 8 Tips for Safe Online Shopping. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Welcome back to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. The internet has gone from its humble days as a place primarily intended for research to a place that now sees over half a trillion dollars transacted every year. However, the amount of money that moves around online each year has made online retail a prime target for attacks. Online shopping is convenient, but data breaches might make you feel like you're gambling with your personal and your financial data every time you buy online. Between companies that leak your personal information from their databases, software that compromises checkout pages, and phishing attacks that get you to compromise the information on your own, the world of online shopping might not feel so safe anymore. However, by taking a few actions, you can protect your personal and your financial information. Here are eight ways you can protect yourself when you shop online. First, stick to retailers you trust. Sure, that no-name retailer might be offering you a great price, but is it really a great deal if your product never arrives? As I hope you know by now, not every website on the internet can be trusted. However, you also need to be concerned about third-party retailers on major sites. Sites like Amazon don't just sell the products that they stock. They also allow people all around the world to sell products through their site. Most of these retailers are legitimate and will leave you satisfied with your purchase. 
but there will always be a few that are looking to steal your money and then disappear. I fell victim to one of these a couple years ago. I found a third-party seller on Amazon that sold the particular brand of pins that I use at a very good price. It wasn't extremely cheap, but it was just enough to be attractive. The fact that the shipping estimate was a little slow didn't matter, as I still had a few pins left and just wanted to keep some extra on hand. Due to the two- to three-week shipping time, I actually forgot about this order. In fact, three or four weeks later, I pulled out the last pin and set a reminder on my phone to place an order for more. Later that day, the reminder popped up, and I placed another order for more pins. However, I ended up sending back a Christmas gift that I had purchased for my parents. That order just happened to be below the order that I had placed for the pins that I'd never received. Seeing that order made me realize I had never received my original order for pins. I attempted to contact the seller, but I found that the seller's account had already been suspended by Amazon. Fortunately, a message to Amazon support did get me a refund for that order. However, a little research and logical thought would have saved me. The slow shipping estimate should have been a cause for concern. If it was a product made overseas, it would make sense, but it didn't make sense for something manufactured by an American company. Plus, the seller had multiple bad reviews, which I'm sure helped lead to the removal of the account. If I'd taken the time to check out the seller's reviews and to think about the shipping time, I wouldn't have almost lost my money to that scam. So be careful when you're purchasing online. Make sure you're buying from legitimate websites and take a quick look at the reviews before you purchase from a third-party seller. It certainly won't provide perfect protection, but it will help you identify some scammers before you give them your money. Second, you need to make sure that you're using secure devices when you shop online. This isn't normal web browsing. You'll be entering very sensitive information, like your credit card number, into the website. You need to make sure that no one is able to eavesdrop on your information. Your network traffic is one place that someone could eavesdrop on you. This is especially true if you're using Wi-Fi, but it's also possible when you're on a hardwired connection. Anything you send over a Wi-Fi network can be read by anyone within range of the wireless signal. Yes, that includes your credit card numbers or passwords, if they're not encrypted. Fortunately, if you're doing it right, there should be at least two layers of encryption. The website should be using encryption in its communication with you. That's represented by the lock icon that you're often told to look for before you enter sensitive data. The Wi-Fi network should also use encryption. This adds a second layer on top of what the website is already providing. If you don't have a password on your Wi-Fi, you're not taking advantage of this layer of encryption. Yes, as long as you see the lock, you do still have one layer of encryption, but the lack of a password also makes it easier for someone to get on your network and execute attacks that can compromise your only remaining layer of security. As I've mentioned in the past, you can also use a VPN, which stands for Virtual Private Network, in order to add yet another layer of encryption. 
This is absolutely critical if you must do online shopping while you're on public Wi-Fi, such as at a hotel or coffee shop. However, if you must do online shopping away from home, I highly recommend you skip the public Wi-Fi altogether and use your phone or a tablet that's using mobile data. Your mobile data plan is going to be much more secure than any public Wi-Fi network. But besides eavesdropping on your network traffic, someone could also eavesdrop on your device itself. One common way this is accomplished is through the use of a keylogger. A keylogger stores everything you type, and then it sends it back to a control server somewhere else on the internet. It can steal all your passwords and your credit card numbers. I once dealt with a keylogger that was particularly difficult to find and remove. It had done such a good job of hiding itself that it was almost indetectable once it got on your system. The only way I knew something was wrong was because the security software kept getting shut off, something that malware commonly does to prevent detection of its malicious activity. After a couple rounds of turning the security software back on, scanning, restarting the system, and finding the security software turned off again, I began searching for something more malicious. Through research, I did eventually find traces of the keylogger on the system. But I knew that it was so good that it would be hard to guarantee it was totally clean. I ended up wiping everything off the computer and starting with a fresh copy of Windows. If a password or credit card number is stolen by a keylogger, even changing the password or getting a new credit card number won't be good enough. The next time you enter it on that device, the new password or the new card number is going to be compromised yet again. You need to use good security software in order to help keep keyloggers off of your system. Yes, security software won't be perfect. Occasionally, something will manage to find its way past your security. But it will stop the vast majority of the threats on the internet and security software is always getting even better at detecting malicious activity. Good habits will help, but you need good security software to back you up. If you want to see my recommendations for security software, you can find it at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash recommendations. A third way to protect yourself when shopping online is to always use a credit card. I discussed why a credit card is safer than a debit card back in episode 15. It has better fraud protection, and you won't have to worry about a drained checking account. The worst thing that could happen is the scare you'll get when you see a much larger than expected amount owed. However, if you want to up your security even a bit more, you can opt to not use your credit card number at all. There are services that offer burner card numbers that you can use online in place of your actual card. These numbers can only be used once, and then they're shut off. If someone compromises the number, whether it's through a keylogger that got on the computer, malicious activity on your network, or stealing it out of the database from the company you bought from, your burner card number will be declined, and the number printed on your actual card will remain totally secure. Now, these services often cost some money. In fact, I would probably be suspicious of giving my card number to one that is free, unless it's a company that offers a paid service and then a more limited free service. 
However, if you'd like to see my recommendations for these types of services, you can also find them, cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash recommendations. Fourth, be careful how much information you provide when you're setting up your account. Merchants will ask for all kinds of information when you set up an account. Some of that information will be necessary in order to ship your order to your house or verify your identity with the credit card company. Some of it is required because the seller just wants that information. But some of the things you may be asked to provide may not actually be required. If you don't want to provide a piece of information and it's not marked as required, see what happens if you leave it out. Sometimes a site doesn't require something like a phone number, even when it does ask for it. Another way to control the amount of information is to not save your card number. Now, merchants shouldn't be saving your entire card number anymore, but saving the card in your account still means that someone who gains access to your account can make purchases on your card. Sure, it's convenient to have your card number saved, but it's much more secure to take the extra minute to enter that card number each and every time. It's always a good idea to protect as much of your personal information as you can. Controlling the information that you provide is great, but you can also take it one step further. Fifth, you need to make sure that you lock down your account to be as secure as possible. We did a three-part series in episodes 6, 7, and 8 on how to lock down your accounts. And all of that is especially applicable to your online shopping. Use a strong password to protect your information, especially if you're going to save the credit card number on your account. You might also want to enable two-factor authentication to provide even more security. If you want to listen to more information about how to lock down your accounts, Links to the series that I did will be available in the show notes at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash episode 19. Sixth, keep track of what you buy. Earlier, I told you the story of how I almost lost money to a scam seller on Amazon. Part of the problem was that I wasn't keeping track of what I purchased. I knew I needed to purchase some more pins, I bought them, and I assumed that they would come. After that, I've made a new practice. I already use a system to manage the tasks that I need to complete. It's how I make sure I get everything done in my life. So now when I place an order, I create a task on a separate to-do list and assign it for the estimated shipping date. That way, the task shows back up when my order should be arriving, and I notice if it didn't arrive like it should. As an added benefit, the task is archived so it can remind me where I made the purchase in case I need to look up the receipt for a refund or a warranty claim. One additional thing to do is to keep an eye on your statements. Make sure that you've been charged the correct amount. Though rare, mistakes can happen at many places along the purchase process, and you can be over or undercharged. One of the things I always do before I close the task that I created to track the order is double-check my statement and make sure the charge matches the invoice. Seventh, be aware of popular email scams. There's two common scams you might face. You could face a phishing scam that tries to steal your login. Phishing scams are common for many of the most popular sites, 
including Amazon, eBay, Walmart, and more. They'll attempt to grab your login details so that they can charge items using your saved credit card information. That's one reason why I recommend not saving your credit card. Even if you fall victim to phishing, the attack fails when the attacker doesn't have any way to charge you for their items. Another type of scam operates similar to a phishing email, but with a twist. Instead of trying to compromise your login details, you'll get an email offering a great deal on a popular item. The email will contain a link to a fake store that will try to get you to enter your credit card information in order to supposedly purchase the product. You might see a charge on your card, but you're never going to get the item. And finally, number eight is to take action if you're a victim of fraud. If the fraud you experience only costs you $10 or $20, it might be tempting to just write it off as a lesson learned. However, don't do this. While the actions you take should be proportional to the amount of fraud, at the very least, you should notify your credit card company and dispute the charge. If the amount of fraud is more significant, you may also want to consider filing a police report. And if the website is using certifications to make it look more legitimate, you may want to consider contacting the organization that certified it. If they aren't actually approved by that organization, they'll want to take action to protect their image. And if they did accidentally approve this fraudulent company, they'll definitely want to hear about your experience. I once encountered a company selling counterfeit Windows and Office software that had obtained accredited status with the Better Business Bureau. Even though I hadn't made a purchase, I still let a BBB office know so that they could investigate. It turned out that they did do legitimate technology work, which was what the BBB had accredited, but they were also using that accreditation to improve trust for their illegal business. These organizations rely on the trust that consumers place in them. So if someone's using their certification or accreditation while they scam people, the organizations will want to know. Online shopping doesn't have to feel like the Wild West, where virtually anything goes. If you take advantage of the convenience of online shopping, you'll probably find your data compromised at some point. But by taking the right steps, you can limit how much of your information falls into the wrong hands. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and come back and join us again next week when we will discuss how to protect your data when you discard an old device. Until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. For more information on today's topic and a transcription of this episode, check out the show notes page, which is linked in the description. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you would subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, we would also appreciate it if you could take the time to rate and review the show. It really does help us get noticed. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Please do not take any action on your computer, phone, or other device unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. 
Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.